Good morning and welcome to A Taste of Torah. Today we do the weekly Torah portion. Today's reading, the tragic tale of the golden calf, the Chet HaEgel. And the reading begins setting the stage that Moshe receives the tablets from Hashem after spending 40 days and nights in true intimacy with Hashem. This was the time where God told him so much of the oral tradition that was going to be passed on for generations. That was told to Moshe during this moment of absolute spiritual intimacy with Hashem. Now before Moshe went up to Sinai, he left Aaron as well as Chor, his brother-in-law, in charge of the Jewish people, telling them that he would be back in 40 days. And of course, tradition tells us that a tragic mathematical error took place. Moshe goes up in the morning, and when he tells the people he'll be back in 40 days, they assume that that morning counts as day one. Yet in Jewish tradition, we know that a Jewish day begins at night, and therefore that morning should not have been considered day one. It was only the following night that started the counter, thereby resulting in this horrible error in thinking that something must have happened to Moshe. He did not come back in time, and of course the people panicked at this moment. It is so, so important to clarify that for the majority of the Jewish people, they were not, in fact, looking to create a god, to create an idol that they would truly worship as a god. Rather, they were looking for a replacement for Moshe. Keep in mind, Moshe's role in taking them out of Egypt, Moshe's role in spreading out the staff and splitting the sea and all the plagues. Moshe was always there front, left, and center. They are just months away from being slaves in Egypt. And without Moshe, panic sets in. And we know what happens when people are afraid and they panic. They make stupid decisions, and that's exactly what happens over here. They are under the influence of a group of Egyptians that leave with the Jewish people out of Egypt. Unfortunately, not all for the right intentions. Not all of them legitimately wanted to convert to Judaism. Others were just leaving to join the action, to side with the winning team, so to speak. And they were still idolaters at heart. And they were the ones that encouraged the Jewish people at this time of panic. The Medrash says it was truly a perfect storm. Moshe is not there. The Erev Rav, this mixed multitude from Egypt, is encouraging them to build the golden calf. And the Satan himself helps create this panic by creating an image in the sky of Moshe's lifeless body. And all of this together contributed to the Jewish people making this disastrous decision. They come up to Aaron and they say, we want to build the golden calf. It is so important to clarify that according to the Medrash, the other person in charge, Chor, tried stopping the operation immediately. Unfortunately, the Jewish people would not have it. Chaos ensued and tragically, Chor is killed in the process. At which point, Aaron realizes there's absolutely no purpose in stopping them from building the golden calf. The best game plan would be delay, delay, and delay. When the people come to Aaron, he tells them to take the gold from their wives' jewelry. And tradition tells us that the wives refused to take part in this sin. It was only the men that committed the sin, but the Jewish women were righteous, did not give any of their gold for the golden calf, and remained innocent from the sin. The men gave the gold, and within a very short amount of time, they create the golden calf according to tradition with help actually from this group of idolatrous Egyptians that used black magic in the process. Aaron sees that he was unable to delay them in building the golden calf. He tries one more tactic. He says, tomorrow we will have a holiday for Hashem, hoping that by morning Moshe would come. And this would not turn into an idolatrous practice, but rather a holiday for Hashem. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Moshe is not there. The Jewish people wake up at the crack of dawn. And at that moment, they worship the golden calf. 
And tragically, together with the idolatry are the two other horrible sins in Judaism. Murder, again, they had killed Chor, as well as adultery, because there were all sorts of immoral acts taking place as they celebrated in front of the golden calf. At this moment, Hashem interrupts his conversation with Moshe, tells him the horrible news about what is taking place below, and informs him that he is going to destroy the Jewish people, and Moshe will be the beginning of a new nation. And at this point, Moshe goes on the great, great speech of his life, defending his people and saying that Hashem must remain loyal to the Jewish people. He is to remember the covenant that he made with the ancestors. He is to remember everything he's done for them, and that ultimately they will be a nation that will be committed to Hashem in the long term. They will be faithful. They are your eternal people, at which point Hashem agrees not to destroy the Jewish people. Moshe continues his way down, and the first person he meets is Joshua. Joshua had stayed by the base of the mountain the entire time. And Joshua turns to Moshe and he says, I hear these loud sounds coming from the camp. There is the voice of battle in the camp, to which Moshe says, this is not the sound of a victory, nor is this the sound of defeat. This is the sound of distress that I am hearing. Moshe then continues. He sees the golden calf in front of him, and at that moment, he throws down the tablets, these holy tablets that were just given to him by God, engraved with divine letters on them. Tradition tells us that one of the reasons he broke the tablets is because the tablets served as a ketubah, a wedding document between God and the Jewish people. Remember, on the tablets were the Ten Commandments, one of which was, you shall not have any other gods other than me. And thereby Moshe wanted to save the Jewish people and not have this ketubah in front of them at the very same moment that they were committing adultery against God Almighty. Therefore, he breaks the tablets. The Torah then continues with the rebuke of Moshe to the Jewish people, too lengthy for today's lesson. But I want to finish with a powerful spiritual take-home. It is a very fascinating exchange between Moshe and Joshua at the base of the mountain. In fact, the Talmud says that Moshe was rebuking his disciple in not being able to differentiate the sounds. You, Joshua, are going to be my disciple. You are going to be destined to leave the millions of Jewish people, and you do not know how to distinguish between one sound and another sound. And the whole exchange is odd. You know, if you were standing far away in a sports stadium, you hear 60,000 people shouting, will you always be able to notice if they're saying defense, 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 or go, go, go? What does Moshe mean when he says... This is not the sound of battle. Rather, this is the sound of distress. And there's a beautiful spiritual answer given to this. That at this moment, at this dark moment when the Jewish people just made such a horrible mistake, Moshe recognizes this is not battle against God. The Jewish people are not truly rebelling. They are not truly serving idols because they no longer believe in God. Rather, they are distressed people. They are a people in pain. They are a people in panic. And when people are in a place of fear, they make terrible mistakes. I'm hearing grief, not combat. These are people who believe that they are abandoned by their leader and they have fear and distress that overtake them. This is not rebelliousness as much as it is trauma. Therefore, Moshe is teaching this future leader to be able to be sensitive and to look past the external actions of a rebellious people and experience the inner pain that they have that at that moment. Of course, they're doing the wrong thing, but the source of their behavior is not a rebellion against God. It is the result of emotional pain and agony. And even if it looks like right now they're laughing and dancing and enjoying all sorts of immoral acts partying away, deep down, these are a people in pain. And I read this interpretation and it struck me so, so deep. 
We too sadly see people make mistakes off in our youth. And it looks like they are doing it out of an act of rebellion. They're enjoying themselves. They're partying. They're doing all sorts of dangerous and immoral activities. This must be an act of rebellion against Hashem. After all, they're smiling. They're dancing. They're partying with such joy. But the reality is that all of that might be a manifestation of deep inner pain and hopelessness to the extent that they are not able to deal with it in any other way. To be a leader, to be a parent, to be the teacher. You must be able to hear the sound, and only when you can see the true colors of pain in that person's soul can you help them discover their inner wholeness again. Have a great day.